0: The Tony G Show has returned to Tony G Studios. It's been a while since you and I, Will McCormick, my co-host Will McCormick, I am Tony G on The Tony G Show. It's been a while since you and I have been together for a regular episode of The Tony G Show.
1: It has. It's been like two weeks.
0: It has been. Must be. No, three. Because last week was Jason Fonda. We were in SNC Radio. Yep. And Thanksgiving, so we didn't have a show. Yep. The Thursday before that... Matthew Swanson, our friend of the show. So, two. He, sweat, he said, and he is the uh, college football NBA, or, uh, NFL draft expert. Mm-hmm. I can really speak today. what well, we out. It's been that kind of week. Yeah. Semester's winding down. But it's good to be back. Mm-hmm. How was your Thanksgiving break? It was good. Nice to relax a
1: little bit, but obviously not long enough. So, yeah. just kind of got to get back to it. But, it never I don't is. know how about yourself, Tony.
0: Ah, it's been, it was good. Mm-hmm. Of course, never long enough. Yeah. Something that I did do over. You know, at this point in my life, all I do is work, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. break, and I end up working most of the days than not. But yeah. Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, so it was Black Friday, I had the opportunity, you know, I work for my friends at The Fan. Oh, yeah. Sports Radio 107-51400. They gave me the chance to sit in for Marcus Eversall on Better Call Eversall which is their two-to-four show alone solo that's a great experience for someone my age that's a long time i did it had a lot of compliments it's a long time i i was confident going in cuz you know i do this so i'm like i know how to talk i yeah. you know even though it's there's no Will McCormick in studio i can still rattle it off there's a phone line there nobody called in so i didn't have anybody to talk to and i get into that second hour and i'm like i'm kind of winded i'm like holy cow i'm not used <laughs> to going 2 hours live you know the tony g show is not live right but so, I get to the second hour and I'm like, holy cow, I'm getting winded. Yeah. I <laughs> start yeah. going to the audio that we have on the computer, the Matt LaFleur audio, and just ride that out. <laughs> <'Cause> I was, <laughs> I was, whew, I hit the commercial break and I'd just be huffing and puffing. <laughs> so, it was a good experience. I had a great time doing it. And the good news is, I was able to get that audio. I have it edited. Nice. Right when I cut the commercial break, the. Reintro intro music it just comes right back in as though there is no commercial break so i edit out all the advertisements there was live reads in it that's something that's good for people who watch as like a resume type of deal can you mm-hmm. do live reads i did that but i took them all out because yeah you know there's contracts and stuff involved so there's no advertisements it's just about an hour and a half of me filling in and i'm gonna release that audio as a special episode this season tomorrow oh nice that's gonna drop on the podcast tomorrow that's cool. Better Call Eversol, I'll fill in for that then. Sweet, I'm
1: actually excited because I wanted to listen to that and I was A lot in line of people to, said that. I was in line to get my oil changed and I was like it was like just right around the time it started and I couldn't really have it on while mm-hmm. I was getting my car service, so I just kind yeah.
0: to... And a lot of people said they wanted to listen in on the app. I had advertised because there's a fan app that yeah, you can listen to. That's what in I of. was gonna be on. But there was a UWGB basketball game. Oh. That was going on the AM side, so you couldn't listen to the Better Call Eversol me sitting in on the AM side. Or on the app, because that's what that's what has streaming priority due to contract mm. obligations. So I was only available on FM 107.5 Live. Oh, okay. Sweet. So, so you know, can, it is yeah. what it is. It was limited, but that audio I have, and it's ready. It's going to get released tomorrow. A lot of people nice. said they wanted to listen to that. I thank everybody. I thanked everybody for giving me that opportunity, because that's awesome for a young, yeah, yeah. aspiring Tony G. And I thank everybody for their support. Everyone, I, I even had a, a professor email me and said that they were listening, and That's Their father listened because, you know, they're both based out of this area. Mm -hmm. So they were riding around doing stuff Black Friday and we're listening. So, I mean, I, I had a lot of support for it and I thank everybody for it. That episode will be dropped tomorrow. It's cool that they're letting you use that audio too. It is. Yeah, it is. Yep. Also, over the weekend, you know, Will and I have a plan for our shows. We have a game plan, a show plan that we go through for each episode. I had these game plans done Sunday night, not just for today's show, but Thursday's show as well. <laughs> there is so much to talk about. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely bonkers. We could do a third show this week. That's how <laughs> much content there is to cover. Maybe even a fourth, if you include all the different sports and everything that's going on. Pittsburgh Peng- Penguins, the NHL team just got bought by, by new owners. Oh, didn't yeah, know that. Not too many people are listening to that. No. $900 million deal to acquire the Pittsburgh Penguins. From the Fenway Group Incorporated, the ownership group that owns Boston Red Sox and teams like that. Hmm. So I don't know if you planned on starting Tony G's show listening to hearing about the Pittsburgh Penguins from the NHL, a league that we never talk about on the show, but (laughs) there we are. I want to preview not just today's show, but Thursday's show as well. Thursday's show, here's what we're going to talk about. The sneaky good team in the AFC watched football on Sunday, and there is one team That is sitting at 500, but they really impressed me. And I think if they get hot, they're dangerous going down the stretch. We'll cover that Thursday. Also, Matt Nagy retains his job in Chicago. Why? I don't necessarily know. (laughs) I mean, he was someone who last week, the week of Thanksgiving, reports were coming out that he was going to get fired Friday morning. All week, these reports were coming out. Thursday, they play. They play on Thanksgiving. In what many people think is Matt Nagy's last game as the head coach for the Bears. And they win it. But it was against the Lions, a team that's still winless. And was by a last-second field goal, they only won by two points. And so for that, he retains his job. I bring that into question on Thursday's show. And then, of course, a new batch of picks, Tony G's picks of Week 13. That'll be Thursday's show. Today's show, entitled The Wolverine, we're going to talk about the USC head coaching vacancy that has been filled and the ramifications of that. This was something I initially had on Thursday's show, but there's just so much news and information surrounding this, and it's just so recent. I wanted to cover it today. There's so many different ways that we're going to talk about the USC job being filled by a former Oklahoma head coach. Second segment today, we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh finally conquering his demons. He did it. <laughs> he beat Ohio State. Matthew Swanson, our, our expert on the show, me and him were Texan pretty much the whole game well, we got, i was texting him too <laughs> oh man he must be so happy I michigan guy himself you. yeah thanks for texting know. me well yeah, thanks yeah. for thinking of me whatever sorry so he was happy about it michigan got the huge huge win over ohio state they're going to the big 10 championship game we're going to preview that as well in segment number two and then recap tony g's picks of week 12 so that is today's show that is even thursday's show and the game plan for this week with wednesday i will be releasing better call I ever saw that audio any final questions will You didn't have any to begin with, but I don't think so, no, yeah. You didn't didn't ask any questions. No, okay, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I guess we'll just get into it then. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G, Tony G Show. You're listening to the Tony G Show now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G. Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. Since the last time Will and I were in Tony G. Studios, there's been two new additions to the sports theme of Tony G. Studios. Will, can you spot them out?
1: Is it the the Giannis hoop?
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a basketball hoop, a mini basketball hoop, mini basketball in here now.
1: And then a new football? Oh, yeah. the the. The you additional flag. Yeah. Okay. There's a
0: there's a flag. Yeah. A Packers flag that.
1: I almost hit Tony with like the double fake f- post fade. <laughs> it just bounced off the rim.
0: I have to give you credit. That was a good shot. It's a good move, right? Yeah, because I thought you were gonna airball and hit the wall, the sidewall, and just like. That's the exact
1: miss. move I taught MJ. Oh. Really? I, I showed him how to master that. Oh. Yeah.
0: You are legendary. I
1: know it's it was pretty groundbreaking mm-hmm. back in its day.
0: Uh, sure. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure that was all you, Will. Yep. I was also, before we get into today's show, I also have to mention that I was telling Will about this story where I was playing with friend of the show, Christian, janitor at Tony G Studios. and abso- Janitor? <laughs> <laughs> and, and absolutely whacked my foot on one of the... It's not the widest space where mm-hmm. we have the hoop set up, but there's, it's the best spot for it. So I whacked my foot and fell down. And as I was falling, I was able to call timeout, so I kept possession of the mm-hmm. basketball. I didn't lose it, you know, because if you hit the ground and roll or slide, that's a travel. The other team gets it. I called timeout right as I whacked the foot, went to the ground. <laughs> timeout, timeout. So in other words, Tony G equals
1: Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah in terms of the much. foot scenario. Yeah. And or just like Sadness.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I, I wanted it to be a 30-second, but it had to be a full timeout because I needed the full timeout. To, 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 <laughs> to, get to get recover and to wipe the tears off your cheeks. Yes. Yep. <laughs> But, I mean, I just wanted to say that story because I am a warrior when it comes to mini basketball.
1: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Even though I almost drilled that post-fade. Okay, but almost drilling it isn't... That's that's true. I didn't make it. You did not make it.
0: But I was close. Yeah. Well, close is not first. Mm-hmm. All right. Segment number one. Want to start here. And as I mentioned in the open, something I had on Thursday's docket to talk about. Had to move it up to today because there's just so much... Th- I put together these two dockets because, like I said, there's so much to talk about through the long weekend. And as I was doing research and looking things, more news came out, more news came out, more news. Just stuff kept coming out of Mm -hmm. nowhere with this story. So I had to talk about it today. It will lead off the week. Segment number one, the USC football program, which has been looking for a new head coach for the last couple of years, found their new head coach, and this move shocked absolutely everyone. The new head coach of the USC Trojans is Lincoln Riley, who is 55 and 10 since 2017 as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners football program. He will take over he he did take over in Oklahoma after Bob Stoops retired in 2016. He spent about 15-16 years there did Stoops. And so Riley was only feeding into that legendary coaching regime that Oklahoma had going for them since the late 90s. So he had big shoes to fill, and he absolutely did it. Like I said, 55-10, and a lot of accolades under his belt, an offensive-minded coach, four Big 12 championships in his time in Oklahoma, Coach back-to-back Heisman winners in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray as the offensive coordinator, not to mention that he worked with Jalen Hurts as the head coach. So he's had a lot of innovation and a lot of accolades to lay his hat on under his resume. He has a very impressive resume that not too many different coaches have, especially at the college level. So he was absolutely a, for lack of a better word, he was absolutely a sexy pick for a a coach. Mm -hmm. He was a name that was thrown around when the Packers head coaching job was open ever since then. Yeah, that's true. And ever since then his name has been thrown around for pretty much every head coaching opening in popular football. So that's, if you haven't heard Lincoln Riley before this, that's more you than anything else because that's a name that should be mentioned on everything. He's an innovative coach. He's a very successful coach. He is an offensive-minded coach. Professional teams, there are reports as, you know, there's no one source to confirm this, just kind of speculation in sources that popular media media is saying is true. I'm not going to say it's absolutely true, but there are people saying that professional Football teams would come watch the Oklahoma Sooners and how they would run their offense, Mm. take notes on it, and adjust moving forward. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but it wouldn't surprise me because that's the type of coach that Lincoln Lincoln Riley is. Innovative, forward-thinking. Successful. Successful. Not to mention the talent that he's had in his offense as well. So this is absolutely one heck of a coach we're talking about. It's not like an overrated coach. This guy is properly rated. Not to mention he's
1: offensively minded, which we like over here. We so. do,
0: yes. The 20, Will and I always talk about that. An offensive-minded – defense wins you championships, but if you don't have an offensive-minded coach to develop a young quarterback, you can't You're build a <laughs> You're It not. just doesn't happen. I mean, look at Vic Fangio, a great defensive coach in Denver. They're floating around 500 because they're beating bad teams and they're mm-hmm. losing to the good ones. Defensive-minded – look at Robert Sala. Had a great tenure in San Francisco. Earned his way to a head coaching job in New York, and granted it's just his first year. But that team is uh, like 2-9. and nine. Yeah. So it's just not working. We like offensive-minded coaches. Not saying defensive-minded coaches can't make it work. They certainly have in the past. But just in this age of football, an offensive-minded coach goes a long way to building your program or franchise. Now, before moving on to what this move does to USC, I want to elaborate very briefly on this. There's something to be said about how coaches leave when they leave a program. And I'm talking about before a season is done because not only has this occurrence happened this season with Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly is out at Notre Dame. He's going to take the LSU job. Both Notre Dame and Oklahoma still have bowl games to be played. Notre Dame, if Cincinnati loses, is if Alabama loses in their conference championships. Notre Dame would be in the college football playoff, and they would have two games to play They'd have to win them both if they want a national championship. So Notre Dame's still in the running for a national championship, and coaches crazy. just kind of up and leave.
1: So yeah, are they like gone? Gone? Are they finishing out the season? Like I, nope, they're done.
0: There are reports for Oklahoma, and I think this has pretty much all but been confirmed. Former head coach, who I mentioned before, Bob Stoops is going to coach the Sooners in their bowl game. So he's going to come back and coach. That's something that's not uncommon. I remember the, the Badgers would do that. Barry Alvarez would come back and. And Coach, I think that was after Belama left the program for Arkansas, or maybe that was Gary Anderson. I don't exactly remember who he filled in for one of those mm-hmm. two before Paul Chris stepped in for the Badgers football team. But that's not uncommon. Barry Alvarez will step in. He was the AD at the time. So that's not something that's uncommon. But there's still something to be said for leaving a program early. It's not the same thing as when a player commits to a program and then decommits and goes to a different school or comes to a program, decides he doesn't like it, and does whatever he has to do to keep that year of eligibility and go play somewhere else. It's not the same thing. Because these are young kids who aren't just going for their athletics career, but going for their professional careers, going for a degree in something, and making the decision for going to college and what school to be at for the next four years of your life is an important decision. It's not the same thing as when a, coach, when a head coach leaves a program for a different opportunity. That's profession. That's all contract-based. That has nothing to do with the commitment of athletes to the program. It's a different commitment for a coach who commits to a program. So it's absolutely a different. thing. I don't know if I want to blast coaches for doing that, though, because it's what's best for them. But are you telling me – let me say this. Are you telling me that there is absolutely no way that if Lincoln Riley told the USC – I want to remain with Oklahoma through the remainder of this season, get my team through their bowl game, mm-hmm. wish my seniors the best of luck in their lives, and tell everyone who's coming back to this program next year that there's going to be someone else. But I enjoyed coaching you, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Or like, yeah, why couldn't this just... See, like it? if he said that, would USC really pull out and be like, no, we're going to go with a different coach?
1: Or like, why... Yeah, or or why can they not just wait exactly. a half
0: a month? Why... I don't understand that either. Like I said, there's something to be said for Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. His team is still competing, still has an opportunity, possibly. It's out of their – you know, they don't control their own destiny. Certain teams have to lose for them to get in. But there's still a chance that Notre Dame could compete for a national championship and the head coach leaves the program for a different job.
1: Like, is there –
0: like is that opportunity gonna get filled if you really stick around for the next month and coach your team through right. a playoff? What you know, why not sign
1: a letter of intent and then be like, All right, we'll see you in Exactly. I don't in a couple that's, weeks.
0: That's what athletes do. Yeah. And athletes can still opt out or, or whatever the case may be. Like I said, it's different for athletes, but it's the same type of idea. It's essentially the same. It's essentially the same. What's the purpose of leaving the program early before the season is done? That as a player would hurt me. I get you have oh, to yeah. make professional opportunities what's best for yourself and all that. I understand that. But you can't tell me that you aren't sticking around because that opportunity is going to get filled because you're going to go under that contract. That contract can wait. Well, the season's going to be over. It's not like they're going to start coaching like next week for the, you know. Exactly. It, I don't understand. Unless and I'm sure there's something there's some purpose to it, but Yeah. just on the scope there's no reason. There's no reason for Lincoln Riley to abandon Oklahoma before their bowl game. No reason for Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame before their possible national championship run. I mean, what the heck is going to happen? Why? What's the purpose to leaving a program early? I just don't understand that.
1: The only scenario, at least that I don't know, maybe there's just bad blood, but in in the I don't know. You know, you know, maybe he was like, "I'm going to be leaving," and. They just forced him out at Oklahoma, and, and again, though, that doesn't make much sense why the school
0: would do that. Here's the thing. People speculate, and this is something that I buy into as well, Oklahoma's moving from the Big 12 to the SEC, and that is something that reportedly Lincoln Riley was unhappy with, so that's why he wanted to leave, go to a different, because he didn't want to play in the SEC, which I get. That's the hardest co- be good football there. conference in college. I understand that. He'd be average there possibly, I don't know that he would be average. There, no, but it's, a, it's I, that's what he's fearing. It's definitely a competitive conference. Yeah. And he, you know, it's just a professional move. I don't want to coach in the SEC. That's going to make me look bad. That's going to make the program look bad. I, why, why would you do that? He disagreed with that move, and I believe in that. But the way he left, though, is what I'm talking about because it just leaves that sour taste in the mouths of everybody from mm-hmm. Oklahoma, from players to faculty, other coaches, even media members. Here's a story that I heard, Will McCormick, and you'll be interested to hear from this one. Dean Blevins, a sportscaster in Oklahoma, he is the host of the Oklahoma University Head Coach Show on Sundays. So what happens is Sundays, Dean Blevins will sit down with the head coach of the Oklahoma program. For years it was Bob Stoops, and now it's Lincoln Riley or was Lincoln Riley on Sunday, so he'd sit down and, and interview them for the show. Not uncommon. Not uncommon. Coaches do that all the time. Nick Saban does that yep. down in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa?
1: Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa? You're putting me on the spot. I, <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm how putting to pronounce it. I myself on the spot.
0: I should have just said Alabama and left it there. Whatever. <laughs> 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 so, so part of the story Dean Blevins tweeted out that, and I quote, for the first time in 25 years, of taping the Oklahoma University head coach show on Sundays, I was told at showtime that Lincoln Riley would be three to four hours late. Now, a complete no-show confirming he's USC-bound, close quote. I understand that if Lincoln Riley's in USC and he has some meeting to attend and he can't make it, and I understand that something might come up where you aren't – But something tells me with this situation that he was going to USC and he was packing his bags at Oklahoma and he was out the door before anyone could ever even blink. This show was scripted to go on with Dean Blevins. He was fully under the impression that Lincoln Riley would be there to record a show. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in 25 years in the career of Dean Blevins doing this show, a coach did not show up.
1: If I were Blevins and somebody told me I'm going to be three to four hours late, I'd say forget it. (laughs) I don't have have three to four hours of flexibility in my schedule, but that's just... Especially on a Sunday, I want to watch
0: some football, man. Yeah, Mm
1: give me home. I want to relax
0: a little bit. So it definitely left a, a bad taste in the mouth of Dean Blevins, and he continued by saying, and I quote, Sooners have been askew from early on in Baylor week, disastrous towards recruiting, commits, SEC, close quote. So he's obviously saying that this has some impact the way he left was not the best way to do things, Hmm. was not the best way to go about this. So, like I said, there's an effect on players, coaches, media, even. The program as a whole, there is an entire ripple effect that is shocked through the entire organization, the entire program, when a coach leaves like this. Notre Dame's probably going through the exact same thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, the recruiting side of
0: things, that's huge. You know, like you go to a a
1: team with a successful coach that is going to push your career to the next level, and if they just leave, yeah, that's Oklahoma could be hurting. Same with Notre Dame. They could be hurting these next couple years. Well, how
0: many people commit to Oklahoma because they're going to play with Lincoln Riley? That's what I mean. Before we continue with the head coach thing, and we're still going to talk about the impact on the USC, kind of pulled that off, and yeah. we'll get to that in a couple minutes, but Spencer Rattler, the quarterback who was benched for Caleb Williams in Oklahoma around the halfway point or a little before the halfway point of the season for the Sooners, is entering the transfer portal. There's perspective out here from... Who tweeted that? ESPN's Dan Orlovsky that said he thinks Caleb Williams is going to transfer to USC to play for Lincoln Riley. Mm. So what's going to happen at Oklahoma? I like that perspective. I think Caleb Williams probably will transfer to USC to play under Riley. I like that. But what's going to happen to Oklahoma? They have two starting quarterbacks that are talented. Both have flaws. Rattler has more flaws than Williams does, you could argue. But both... Talented quarterbacks who are poised for careers in the NFL, possibly, potentially, one day. And now you're left with no quarterbacks and no head coach. So what happened to the Oklahoma Sooners? I understand that it's business and you have to make the move which is best for yourself and your family. And he has a family. He's married. He has children. So I get you have to do what's best for you. But really, in this manner? To just leave Oklahoma, the program that has made you who you are for the last couple of years in the dust a program that hangs their hat on legendary coaches for, since the late 90s. I mean, for every year this century, they have had great coaches to hang their hat on from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley, and now you just up and leave them like they were nothing to you. Up and leave these players who bought into your season. I mean, these are guys who came to this program and were under the impression that you were going to take them to a bowl <laughs> that game so and they were going to well, have a I, successful season and successful careers well, after I'm Oklahoma, working. and you up and leave them. Something about that just rubs me the wrong way. I'm sorry it does. I get its business, well, you no but you can't tell me that there's no other way to go about leaving a program. So with this, I want to transition, so to, this, want to, transition USC to USC and what what this means for that Trojan football, football, football program, program a, a program that, for years and years, has had football glory, and for the last couple of has years, not so has not been so yeah, glorious. And so they've been looking <laughs> for a coach for a couple, of so couple of years left, really ever since Steve Sarkeesian left in 2015. Uh, Clay Helton took over, kind of ran the program. He's out now. Dante Williams was the interim head coach. And so that's when this head coach search really took off, is when Clay Helton uh, was let go from the program earlier this year and Dante Williams took over. So they can finally start recruiting and rebuilding this program over 100 years of history. Their first year was 1922. So they are at about 100 seasons. Next year is going to be like 101, 100 or so. So they have a lot of history. They're in the Pac-12 conference. They can finally compete with teams that are really good in that conference. Oregon, who is good every year. The Washingtons, who haven't been good the last couple of seasons, but Washington, the football program, the Huskies, made the college football playoff. Washington State is usually ranked top 25. And not to mention Utah this year is having a really good year. So USC will finally start to compete with some of these other programs. So I think there's good future here. Lincoln Riley seems like he's going to fit well with the Trojan football program, but of course, who doesn't when they take that first snapshot picture with the athletic director, the new head coach, they're holding up the USC jersey. Everything is just flowers and rose petals when that first picture is taken and they're signed a new contract. I don't foresee this being a bad get for USC. I mean, Mm -hmm. Lincoln Riley is an exceptional head coach who will probably do good things for USC in the Trojan football program. Once he starts recruit players, want to go play for Lincoln Riley. I mean, I said it earlier. How many people went to Oklahoma to play for Lincoln Riley? So how many people are going to transition to? I want to go to USC because that's where Lincoln Riley is now.
1: It's it'll probably be like a three year grace period where they're going to be dog for for sure. a couple seasons. I think. Yeah, because they agreed. like you. You know, I totally agree that they have been pretty underwhelming the yeah. last five six years. I. I've, there was one year they won the Rolls Ball. I think it was 2016 or 2015. But since then, they've been really not a scary team.
0: No, I think 2015 was probably the year that they had success because that was Sarkeesian's last year. Early reports, however, say that, and I'll let you go over this contract, uh, Will McCormick. I want you to pull up the contract to Lincoln Riley. You're the financials guy of the mm-hmm. Tony G Show. I want you to pull up everything. There is one portion of this contract deal with the houses and stuff that just amazes me. Yeah. But tell me the deal that the USC Trojans worked with head coach Lincoln Riley. So
1: this is an unconfirmed deal. This is based on
0: yep. um, at Robert
1: Hefner V on Twitter. You gave so it your best. <laughs> no No blue check mark. So this is very, you know, yeah. there's a lot that could change here. Unverified. Unverified. Yeah. This is complete speculation. Sure. Um, but apparently the, the contract is for 110 million. Oh, that's it. No. And then he also gets (laughs) (laughs) USC is buying both his homes. He has two homes in Norman for 500 K over asking price. They're both about a million dollar homes. So 1.5 million for each house, two of them. And then he's also, they're also buying him a $6 million home in LA. Oh my gosh. And then on top of that, his family has unlimited use of the university's private jet 24 seven. Family. That's not just Lincoln
0: Riley. That's his entire family. There's a lot to unpack there. Kind of a weird contract. I mean, it is. like The thing that gets the most attention isn't even the $110 million Which is a lot post. of
1: money. Too much money.
0: That's a lot of money. Will McCormick says too much for head co-. I say it's the market nowadays. That's it is. That's just how head coaches go. It's absurd. It's a lot of money to run a football program. But Lincoln Riley, I th- I'd say he's worth it. He's a good coach. He, you know, I'd I, I say everything I in that deal is probably worth it.
1: So, I, To me, it's just mind-blowing that I don't know. I didn't
0: even know a college had a private jet.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that. Maybe I we have no one. I no idea.
0: Doubt it. And let alone let the family use it. What does that mean? They get to fly it themselves, too? Like, they they get to be the pilot? And, I doubt that. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's all. I, I, I doubt that. If I was that. in that situation, that's the one more thing I would have asked for. <laughs> let me sit in the cockpit. Let me fly that bad boy. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's a huge deal. It's a bit ridiculous, it, I,
1: I in my opinion. And I what do you think about it, Tony? I want to hear what you have to say.
0: Well... There's a lot to play into. He's worth the money. I mean, he's a a high-demand head coach. That's Mm -hmm. what drives up the market, is that if USC didn't get him, then if Lincoln Riley was really interested in moving on from Oklahoma, there would be other coaches or other programs that would take him. He could probably have his shot at the professional level. I remember speculation around the Packers, like I said, I mentioned this earlier, that before they had Matt LaFleur and in between Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur, when they were in that hiring period, Lincoln Riley was a name that was thrown around. So he's a coach in high demand. That's what drives up the price. That's what drives up all of these extra things. I don't know if this was a situation where he had two houses because he was trying to sell one and move into a different one in Norman, and he couldn't sell the other one, so he just kept both of them. It's a good problem to have, I guess. But nonetheless, USC will buy out both houses and buy him a $6 million home in L.A. $6 million for for a home? Yeah. To give him a home? Okay. I mean, I get that we're talking about a lot of money, but I mean, you couldn't buy him like a I know. Nice like even like a $400,000 house rooms for all the kids, nice big master bed. You had to go get $6 million worth of housing for him? That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I like, could pay off my college tuition multiple times over. Just it's to Just for re-
1: perspective on how crazy this deal is and i understand that this isn't an apples for apples comparison but just this season for this one season matt lafleur is getting five million dollars yeah not yeah five million that's less than the home usc bought (laughs) lincoln riley that's amazing and I understand there's you know a lot more than just this is that's five million for one season which is a lot of money don't get me wrong but in comparison that's pretty crazy and i understand that you know, I don't know what, uh, I don't, off the top of my head, what the, how long uh, Lincoln Riley's contract was for, but that's.
0: That's the market these days. Yeah, a head coach goes for $10 million a year or crazy. so. Crazy.
1: Not an apples for apples comparison, but just for perspective.
0: Well, so. and I know he's not the head coach anymore, but when John Gruden signed with the Raiders, that was a 10 year, $100 million deal. Yeah. That's the price for coaches is 5 I to guess. $10 probably, yeah, probably more than that per year, especially at the college level. Colleges want to win. There's a lot of money in winning a national championship for a football program. Mm-hmm. A lot more than just a trophy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of money involved. So they want to win. Absolutely they want to win. We will move on from that. Before we move on to John Harbaugh, I want to talk about very quickly what's going to happen at Oklahoma, Jim. who's going to fill that position. Early reports from ESPN's Adam Schefter say Cliff Kingsbury is interested in the Arizona or excuse me in the Oklahoma job from the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. And he didn't deny it. I listened to something last night doing some research cuz Tony G does his homework where I looked at a video of Cliff Kingsbury being interviewed and someone asked him, "Why won't you come out and confirm and squash these reports that you're interested in the Oklahoma job? Why don't you come out and just smash them?" And he didn't do it. In response, he still did not do it. That's so weird. And I get it. It's a tough place. What are you going to say? Yeah, I'm thinking about leaving my Arizona Cardinals that are in the middle of their season. Very successful season. One seed in the NFC season for an Oklahoma job. What are you going to say? No, absolutely not. There's no chance because then you flat out lie when you're the head coach in, a half, in six months. Well, and I think it's a different scenario. If the Cardinals were a losing record, oh, yeah. he'd be
1: out of there. He wouldn't yeah, care. I would agree. So it's very possible he is leaving. He just won't be saying anything because... They're winning, and he's he won't leave during the middle of a season. I
0: don't find that he's the former Texas Tech head coach. He coached at USC as the offensive coordinator too. Just to tie in some facts about this story, but Cliff Kingsbury, did you see on the uh, 2020 draft? You know when they did it all from home because of COVID. You see his house. Mm-mm. I mean the, the the picture of him watching his TV in his living room. The the turf football field outside with the fireplace right in the middle of it, and then the nice pool and the nice view. And mm-hmm. It was just like a million-dollar house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking yep. about. He wants to move from that to Oklahoma. He wants to move from his nice house in Arizona, warm, probably Phoenix area, to Oklahoma, and I'm not bashing Oklahoma, but it's not Phoenix, Arizona. Man, Arizona gets hot in the summer. It does. Maybe that's why. Smoking hot.
1: He can afford air conditioning, though. Surface, surface of the sun hot, Tony. It's hot. He's got an AC
0: guy. That's true. He probably can afford AC. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I can't imagine he has that house and didn't have AC. Imagine that, that. was another portion of that picture. The fire was blazing in that fire pit mm-hmm. in the middle of that turf football field that he has outside. Yeah. And it was April. It was about 115 <laughs> degrees outside, and he's blaring a fireplace. If I
1: had to guess, it would be a gas fireplace that's purely for aesthetic. If I had to guess. Oh, I would
0: probably agree. I don't know. It was still blazing. It still gets hot. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's still the middle of the desert, and he's got a fire blazing. Whatever. But so you, the point here is he's going to leave that in his Arizona Cardinal. I mean, this is something that head coaches love having is this job to go to the professional ranks. Urban Meyer is doing it at Jacksonville. It's not working out, but he wanted that opportunity. And now – Cliff Kingsbury is someone who wanted that opportunity, got it, and now he's going to shy away from it and go back to the college especially ranks. After, I just don't see that yeah, happening.
1: Especially after they're succeeding
0: like this. Yeah, they're having a great year. Maybe he wants to see how the year is going to play out. I don't yeah. know. We are letting this segment run long, but it's, it's a good segment. There's so much to unpack here, and we might even come back to it because news just continues to come out about it. But I do want to segue now at this portion of the podcast to talk about Jim Harbaugh. He finally conquered his demons. Jim. Did you say Jim? Yeah. You said John before, and I tried to. Oh, really? Yeah, it's okay.
1: Okay. I kind of, like, like, mumbled it a little bit behind you, so hopefully people picked up on it. Whatever. If they didn't,
0: you know, Tony G Nation is, is, uh, <laughs> is keen like that, I suppose. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh conquered his demons. He finally beat Ohio State, 42-27. They got the win on Saturday. The knock on Jim Harbaugh, and this is something I did a lot of publicly on the show. I always bash Jim Harbaugh because he was 0-5 versus Ohio State before this game. He was 2-13 and 13 versus top 10 teams before Saturday occurred. He didn't have that impressive of a resume against successful teams. You know, he can come in and, and beat – he can come into the Big Ten and beat Illinois. He can beat Maryland. He can beat Rutgers. But then when he finally gets matched up against Michigan State, which is another team he struggled against, a rivalry game that Michigan wants to win, Ohio State gets matched up against these big dogs. He doesn't win these games. And so finally, Saturday he won it in a physical, tense game. There was a pile up. I don't want to say a pile up, but there was a scuffle. I don't want to even mm-hmm. say a scuffle. More, more yeah, players some, just chirping. There was chippiness. Okay. There were some helmets ripped off heads. Yeah, there that's were some... true. In the game, in the in the tunnel at halftime, they were going at it and Love kind of that. bickering back and forth on their way to the tunnel because it was the same tunnel at the big house in Michigan.
1: So I, I'm assuming. Are you arguing here basically that Jim Harbaugh now kind of has this? Because he, he's a good coach. There's no doubt about that. But do you feel like this win kind of solidifies him as like
0: an elite coach? Is that where you're kind of going with this? Or like no, what? I wouldn't say elite, but he finally did it. You know, he's finally shown that he can be. There was a lot of talk coming into this year that Michigan would probably think about moving on from jo- Jim Harbaugh because he's a player or a coach that gets that team to be a competitive, level, constantly a top 25, top 10 team, but can't win the big game. Sort of like the same thing with James Franklin and Penn State. They always had that one slip up game that costs them a chance at a national championship. And so the table is finally being made here. If they win the Big Ten championship game, which we will preview at the back end of this segment, they're gonna be in the college football playoff and have a chance to play for a national championship. So we'll talk about that. We'll preview that coming forward, but I don't say I don't want to say he's an elite head coach. Yeah. But he's finally did it. He's finally shown that he can beat these teams in these big games and, and get his team set up for a national championship run. All that talk has been quivered out. It's no longer there because he's proven he can do it. That's at least this case for this scenario or for
1: this uh, for this season. Yeah. One in five is still not impressive. Exactly. That's it, true. he's got a long ways to go to be like, a, a, you know, a respectable opponent to Ohio State because at yeah. this point, he's won twenty percent of the matchups.
0: I.E. one and five. Well <laughs> good math there. Well, he's three and thirteen now versus top ten teams. That's a terrible season in the NFL. Yeah, he goes it's three not and good. thirteen, and granted there's another game tacked on this year, 17 games instead of 16. But 3 and 13, it's not impressive. So I don't mean to be like a pessimist with well, it's just pointing out it's just pointing out the truth, though.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of you know proving that he has to do in his upcoming seasons but this was a huge win and I was rooting for Michigan I really I'm not a huge Ohio State fan I don't mean to throw my bias into this discussion but it's nice to see Ohio
0: State go down yeah
1: it's fun to watch a different team win for once
0: yeah so and Michigan did it in big fashion too yeah Hassan Haskins their running back 169 yards on 28 carries averaged six yards per carry oh not to mention he had five rushing touchdowns in that game too had an outstanding game the offensive line played great getting Haskins those numbers the defense played great, sacked uh, C.J. Stroud four times. Three of them were Aiden Hutchinson, who, by the way, now leads Michigan history, all Wolverines, for sacks in a season at 13, and they still have games to be played. Cade McNamara, the quarterback, played out of his mind after the game uh, Jim Harbaugh was congratulated by Michigan basketball coach Jawan Howard after the game, like on the field. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice embrace, something Ooh. cool to see. It was like everybody in Michigan came together and celebrated this win over Ohio State. We finally did it. We finally conquered this demon. Finally beat this team, and we have a chance to play for a national championship. Who is their backup quarterback? Is his last name McCarthy? I'm trying to blank. JJ uh, McCarthy.
1: JJ McCarthy. Man, he had a couple dimes too. He had a couple like. Just beautiful sideline passes. Yeah. Well, he like, was one big...
0: for one with for thirty one yards, but it wasn't. Impressive... Was it? Okay. Yeah. So that was yep. the,
1: that's the pass that's sticking out to me. But he, I mean, that was a key play. That I think they scored on that drive. I could be wrong, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they scored on that drive. That was a turning
0: point in the game, right there. Yeah, it was. The thing with Ohio State is they usually when they're behind, and this is like the Alabama thing, they don't let you pull away. No. You're not going to win and blow out fast, and you're not going to win by forty points. They, they don't let you pull away, but it kind of happened in this game. They never yeah. really had control over themselves or Michigan. Michigan controlled the tempo the temple from the first kickoff.
1: Although I have to say, it didn't really feel like the score looks like more of a blowout than it really was. I felt like up until oh, yeah. the last two minutes of the game, I was like, this could still turn around very Well, that, fast.
0: You know, it's like I said, usually that's how it is. Ohio State yep. doesn't let you pull away. They don't, they don't concede the game. That never really happened. So that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And I have this point in my note sheet here that says if nothing else comes from this season, Harbaugh knows he can do it. Michigan knows that Harbaugh can do it. They finally have confidence that, you know, this isn't an automatic loss when they see Ohio State on the schedule, which they do a lot of. I mean, it's rivalry. It's rivalry weekend, so they Mm -hmm. will see him every year. Like I said, there was talk around the season beginning about him not staying around because he can't win these big games. Not an impressive record in in top 10 games, matchups. But he finally knows he can do it. And and I – I point out that I had this in my notes because I said if nothing else comes from this season, this is at least something to hang your head on. But I want to work against that point now. Because, yeah, if nothing else comes from this season, you know you can do it, but do you really want nothing else to come from this season? Right. Ohio State is out. You beat them. You're not going to see them in a college football playoff. They're not going to be in a Big Ten championship game. Granted, both of these teams are both from the East, so that wouldn't happen anyways. So Ohio State's out of the way. You don't get to run into Wisconsin, a team that you did beat, so you probably would have had a good chance to get them in a Big Ten championship game. They blew it. Now it's going to be Iowa, the Hawkeyes, that you get in a Big Ten championship game. You win this game, which you probably should after beating Ohio should. State, you're into a college football playoff. You're two wins away from a national championship. If nothing else comes from this season, then it would be a they failure because it is, it is right in your hands. Yeah. At this point, it's served to you on a silver platter. You have to take it and run with it. You're very right. If they lose the Big Ten championship and don't make the playoffs, oh, that's all. About. Talk
1: about one of the biggest flops. I mean, just coming on off such a high after beating Ohio State. I mean, they they pretty much probably feel untouchable right now. Yeah, and they really have to make sure they do not play too far. You know, just they just don't play arrogant. They play smart football that yeah. they can do. They can play really, really tight, organized football. But if they Kind of play to this with this like arrogance about their game. Iowa's no joke. You do not mess around with that football organization. You it's really Big don't. Ten
0: football. And the thing that I think will help Michigan in this Big Ten championship game that helped them against Ohio State is they played clean. They played methodical. Yep. I mean, they were a very, they controlled the tempo from the very get go. A couple stats that I want to point out team stats. Penalties, Michigan was just two of 20 yards. Ohio State was 10 of 66. That's huge. Michigan was five and eight on third down conversions. Ohio State. Eight of eighteen. Wow. Average rush yards per carry. Michigan seven seven point two yards per carry. Ohio State only two point one. So
1: that's you do the crazy. same
0: type of deal to uh, Iowa. Slow them down. Control the tempo. Just run the football. Have your offensive line play well and be clean with it. You got a very good chance at winning mm-hmm. this. And that's what I'm, that's it. just my point. But when they
1: play very well organized, methodical football yeah. like that, yep. that's what they're capable of.
0: One hundred percent agree.
1: And I have a question before, because I know this is not the direction you're going, but I want to ask you this. Yeah. Do you feel, and this might be kind of like a loaded, not a loaded question, but just an obvious answer, but what does this mean for recruiting down the down the oh line boy. for Michigan? Because you think about, you know, as if I were a player choosing between Ohio State and Michigan, you look at Ohio State; they've beaten them the last five times. You know, you're gonna basically choosing between winning and losing that game. Yeah. I know, obviously that. Well, that's you, not that's not usually a key factor that people decide, but well, hey, I I'm going to go to Ohio State saying. and be a winner. Yeah,
0: most people are probably going to lean towards Ohio State just because it's Ohio State. Yeah, <laughs> but, right, right. But I get what you're saying. If you're thinking about playing between Michigan and Michigan State, yeah, this might get you to play for Michigan because you know Harbaugh just extended his life in Michigan, right? There's talk mm-hmm. about him being out. Now he's just extended. You know, It hasn't been literal a contract extension. That's not what I'm talking about. But he has extended his livelihood in Michigan now. People aren't going to be coming for his head because he finally won this game. So you know he's going to be there. You know that this is a Michigan team that can, when they play well, when they play good, and if you get everybody on the same page team wise and you play a good game, you have a chance to play for a national championship. So this does, this is completely helping out the Michigan program in terms of recruiting. Recruiting, and yeah, I mean, I. This could be huge for them going down the road. Because now that you've beaten Ohio State, you've shown that you can play in a Big Ten championship game. Like It could be a recruiting cl- class for them coming up. We'll have to see how it pans out. but You could win the conference. You could see something big. We will have to see how that pans out. Uh, just a brief mention of the Big Ten championship game. I predict Michigan's going to win 34-18. Iowa's ranked number 15. Michigan's now ranked number 2 I think Michigan's starting to see that their opportunity for a college football playoff is coming to fruition. Like I said, it's being handed right to them now that they beat Ohio State. They, it, they control their destiny. I think they're determined and they're hungry. Iowa lost to Michigan State in the 2015 Big Ten Championship game, 16-13. to That was, like I said, 2015 a couple of years ago. So they're the only team with Big Ten Championship experience in the last decade or so against Michigan or Iowa. So I think Michigan will get the win, however. 34-18, I think they're going to play another clean game and get the win. The one team I want to mention, though, sad mm-hmm. that I have to, is Wisconsin threw away their shot at oh. finally playing a team they can beat in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, even when they didn't play Ohio State, the years they ran into Michigan State, those were games they could probably win the Russell Wilson years, and they didn't. Michigan State was a good team. I say this knowing, I, I want to make that clear, that I fully understand that Michigan beat Wisconsin mm-hmm. pretty Pre- – yeah. uh, 38-17, I think, was the yeah. final score there. Definite victory. Yeah, of course. But if Wisconsin wins this Axe game, which I can't believe they blew and lost, and get to a Big Ten championship game, play Michigan, I like their chances. It's finally You finally get to run into somebody who's not Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, Yeah. and you completely whiff. you blow well, below it. And that's, I mean, just to your point, like,
1: Michigan's a good team, but if they don't play their methodical football that they can play, then they're beatable. Absolutely. And that's
0: exactly how I feel about Wisconsin is they had a chance here. They really did. Michigan beat Ohio State. Wisconsin beat – or excuse me, Minnesota beat Wisconsin. It's rivalry week. That type of stuff happens. How about Auburn-Alabama? Yeah. Four overtimes. 24-22 was the final score. Alabama beat Auburn. Auburn almost got the win. That's the part I love about the Iron Bowl, and this is coming out of left field kind of, but I just want to wrap up this segment talking about rivalry week because you never know who's going to get the win. The Iron Bowl is my favorite game to watch every year because you never know. One of these teams like like this year, Auburn, could be like 500 – Barely fighting for a chance to be bowl eligible at six wins. And Auburn or Alabama, you know, it's happened on both sides, where they could be the other side, undefeated, number mm-hmm. one, number two in the country. And it's just a, I mean, it yeah. is just a battle. And that's why I love this. It's the Iron Bowl. This is everything down to these people down south at Auburn and Alabama fans. It's college football, man. How do you not love it? It's wrapping up already. It seems like it went quick. You don't love it if you're a Badgers fan. Yeah, especially this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Will, for bringing that up once again. I just wanted to mention that briefly, though, because college football is fun, man. Rivalry mm-hmm. week, you'll never know what you get. Nope. You just never know. And to wrap up this segment, Michigan controls their destiny. Finally, the Wolverines control their own success. Are they going to grab hold of their opportunity, or are they going to blow it? Well, we'll see. We won't know till we know. Only time will tell. It's been a long Tony G show, longer than I think we've run in the past, but mm-hmm. – it's worth it, a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to unpack, and we'll wrap up here recapping Tony G's picks of week 12, it was two and three the week before week 12 and week 11 come in with a 30 and 27 record. The star, I, I just did the three Thanksgiving games. we did it with Jason Fonder, and then Sunday and Monday night, so I didn't do Sunday, noon, Sunday afternoon. Thanksgiving started off with a few busts. <laughs> Bears 3-7 at Lions 0-9-1. I said Lions are going to win this game. They're going to get their first win of the season, and they almost did if it wasn't mm-hmm. for a last second. And get this. I said Lions in an ugly one, 16-12. <laughs> Boy, was it ugly. Yeah. But they lost it 16-14 to the Bears.
1: You're almost, I mean, you're... My heart was in the A couple right. stops and a field goal away.
0: Yeah, you're right. And not to mention, you know, there's a play... Oh, and this just i this completely got me. And it was in part because I picked the Lions to win this game. It's third and 32. The Lions are at like midfield with the ball. And instead of just trying to get into field goal range, let's get a 10 play. You don't have to get a first down. It's 32 yards away. You're probably not going to do that. Yeah. Let's just get some yards here. Let's chip off 10 yards. See yeah. if we can get a 50 plus yard field goal and knock that down. Get some points. That's what good teams do. You know what they do? They run some draw play that picks up two <laughs> yards and punt. What? Listen, that's bad football, man. Yeah. You have to know that if we get 10, 15 yards here, we're in field goal range. We, get, we just got three points on the board. Right. I and mean, that was three points that could have proved different. That's why you're 0, 10, and 1. That's why you're losers. That's why you're winless. Just bad football. The second Thanksgiving game was a very good one. I said Cowboys, 35-15, and a blowout to just the better team. Boy, did they not show up. I mentioned this on Better Call Eversaw when I filled in, which will be releasing tomorrow. Cowboys, this is their baby. I mean, everybody, this is Thanksgiving night. This mm-hmm. is this is Cowboys football at home. This is their chance to beat a good team, beat a bad team, and move on. And they blew it. 36-33, Raiders got the win in overtime. Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, the last game of Thanksgiving, Bills 6-4 at Saints 5-5. I said Bills are going to win 21-14 because of the quarterback issues in the Saints, and they got the win even bigger, 31-6. <laughs> That the offensive identity of New Orleans is just uh, absent. It's either there or it's not. It's pretty much not there at this point. <laughs> That's a bad football team. But that was my first win in Tony G's picks of the week. Hey, maybe starting another winning streak because Sunday night, Browns six and five, Ravens seven and three. I said Ravens by three, thirty twenty seven. They got the win by six, sixteen ten. Monday night football, Seahawks that football team. Seahawks were the favorite. And people who say I always pick the favorite, how about this pick? Yeah. Washington football team against the favorite. Underdogs at home. I said they'd get the win twenty four thirteen. They got the win 17 15. And a weird one. So take that. It was weird. Seahawks are not good this year. They fall to three and eight. Which is kind of crazy. Can Every you time that? Russell drops back, he just has guys in his face. I mean, he does. He, there is absolutely no pass protection for him. But hey, I'm on another winning streak. Won my last three to end that week. Tony G's picks a week 13 on Thursday's show. So you went 3-2? and two? Yes, sir. That brings my record to 33-29. and 29. Now at 104 victories in my career. There we go. Losses. Above 500? Yeah. Not bad. And only a couple more picks of the week to go. We got Thursday and then next Thursday because we're winding down the season. I went... Let me see your book here really quick because I know I picked. Only... Episode twenty three on Thursday, twenty four and twenty five next week, and then the Tony G show season seven will wrap up. Will McCormick oh. laughing, what do you think? Here? Oh,
1: I went I went three and two as well. Okay, nice. So I, I know I picked all left like all the teams listed on the left side of your notebook. So I picked the Bears to win. I think I picked Bears, Raiders, Bills. Okay. I know for a fact I picked Raiders because I was like I the Cowboys is a better team, but I don't want them to win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Will McCormick. So that sounds like Will McCormick picking against the Buccaneers just because Tom Brady's on the team or something like that. That sounds <laughs> no, like No, Tony, come on. No. I would never. That'll just about do it. We had quite the episode, Will. How about this? hmm. Thursday's show? Yep. Next Tuesday and Thursday, and we're done for the season. Season is over. We're gonna try to keep Tony G show just interviews kidding. going through through December and January. <laughs> Whatever, Will. He can't get out of Tony G Studios soon enough, but season seven almost coming to a close. Mm-hmm. What a ride it's been. Yeah. Fun. Season eight back and better yes season eight set to drop in february right around super bowl time just like always that'll just about do it for this episode we'll see you thursday huh yeah don't forget better call ever episode coming out tomorrow tony g show that's will mccormick i'm tony g follow me on twitter at tony g nation follow will on twitter at willis 5312 that'll do it for the show we'll see you thursday Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.